Welcome to the Superhero of Love podcast. I am Bridget Fonger. I wrote a book called Superhero of Love, Heal Your Broken Heart and Then Go Save the World. That book is going to be out in January 2019, but I didn't want to wait until that time to start talking to superheroes of love. And guess what? Here's the news. You are a superhero of love. And through talking to other superheroes like yourself, tapping into that little superhero inside of you, I'm hoping that you and I and all of us start feeling more and more like superheroes of love, meaning that we love and are loved more than ever before. So welcome. Let's get this party started. In my living room right now are Doug and Susan Siegel and Michael Siegel, who is not really here. He's silently sitting on the couch, and let's pretend he's not here. Michael Siegel. I am super excited to talk to a family that feels like they have the art of taking care of hearts really down. They take care of each other's hearts. They take care of those in their community. We're going to talk to them about how they took care of each other's hearts and were assisted in taking care of their hearts with their community after Susan was in a terrible accident, which some of you may have heard about in the news because it was all over the news when it happened. A dump truck lost its bearings, its brakes, and came down a hill, and a city bus in Hollywood, California, um, swerved to miss the truck, and there was a head-on collision with her car, and she broke just about every bone in her body, including her neck. She went through an extraordinary recovery that was supported by her family and by her community, and they are just emblems of love, so I just want to say welcome, Doug and Susan C. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bridget. So... In super, my book, Superhero of Love, the whole point of that, and we were just talking about Love Forward Talks, which she's already committed. You, you're going to be speaking at the next Love Forward Talks. Okay, it's great. like TED Talks for the heart. And um, so that's done. Yay. Um, but the goal of that and the goal of my book both are to have people come out of the event in that case and come out of reading my book more able to love and be loved than ever before. It feels like that is what happened to you guys. Let's talk about community first, because I know that that's one of your greatest passions, talking about the community and how it helped you love and be loved more. So, so tell me about that. We, when the accident happened, as you mentioned, it was all over the news, and uh, our temple uh, sent out a blast to our members saying, hey, Susan and Alice were in this terrible car accident, and Alice miraculously has walked away, but Susan did not. And from that, I immediately started getting flooded with calls, uh, people who saw it on the news, people who got the temple blast, friends who had communicated with one another. And there was a need to let them know what was going on, even though I had no idea really what was going on because the news was changing as the hours passed. But it became quickly apparent during the first hours that I needed to say something. And so I used social media to post and tell others that she was in this accident and we're waiting to see what happens. Knowing that there would be many that wouldn't know what I was talking about. And, and they reached out as well to say, hey, what's going on? Mm. And from that day forward, I started sending out what were called the updates of Susan's condition, which started about her condition and then grew into much more than that because of this relationship that was built between my emails out and the love that and support that was coming in. And I didn't know it at the time or wasn't really aware of it at the time uh, consciously that this was a huge uh, support group for me and for them. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was a two-way. You had no idea how many people were forwarding it, right? You found out later. I wasn't the keeper of the list. A friend of ours was the keeper Cabral, of the list. Cabral, who, right? let's give a huge honk and shout out to Cabral Geller, who, just FYI, if you're in Los Angeles, she is the most extraordinary caterer in Los Angeles. Please check out mess This Messy Table LA. <laughs> she spread the love at the Love Forward Talks. Um, Every single human that saw the table was blown away, and she's 
everybody we ran out of her cards but she is and she's the was she the first one who said she was the she was the gatherer of the names because there were so many people saying please put me on the list please put me on list and this was changing all the time so that uh she compiled it i sent her the updates initially and she is the one that distributed them so i never knew how many people were on this list Mm. i knew later when I started taking over the distribution of them, and I also had been hearing, oh, I've been sending this to 10 of my friends, and they want to know what's going on. And people who didn't know us, people who had no idea who we were, Mm. got swept up into this saga, this story, this serial, if you will, of real-life people. Did you want to say something, Susan? Well, Cabrell, first of all, was my very first friend in Los Angeles. But going back to... uh, Oh, that's cool. Going back to community, um, I have always felt that gathering friends, my dad used to say, doesn't hurt to smile at somebody, uh, having a place to meet people is really one of the most important things in life, that you having people around, being able to talk, being able to go out to dinner and just come back and have things to talk about is really important. So I've always lived my life gathering as many friends and people in the in my communities as as I could and that's how one of the ways our community is built and when this crazy accident happened by the way I'm so surprised that social media because we you know now we're all learning about social media especially with a book yeah but it's funny that that was the first place you posted or that you even went there Mm mm-hmm just because you're so not a social media guy. Oh, that's so Nat- funny. You are Yes, I was thinking that, that that's not your natural go-to place at all. It's not your I, language. Doug no. doesn't speak the language of social media. But now you, you understand do. it. You know it. I don't, I don't follow it in the same way that, or uh, engage in the same way that Susan does. But I knew that she did. And when I say when I posted, oh, I didn't. I didn't post on my account. Right. I posted on her right. Facebook page. You were speaking her language spoke, for her. Well, and I was speaking to her friends. Yeah. You know, um, obviously there's some crossover, but didn't she also send out an email? Weren't there emails going out too, or was it just social media? It was just social media. No, it was the f- the only the first one was social media. Okay. The from that point on, it was. Just emails. Oh, I get you. We Thank compiled you. this list from people. Basically, it said, hey, if you want to know what's going on, send your email in and we'll add you to the list. Okay, and, got it. And then it formed from there. Um, yeah. I love that. Um, I just want to read a little um, excerpt from the book about this the, this issue of community. I, first of all, lo- I, one of the quotes from the book, communities love holds the power to heal. So when it and it j- just when it, as I read that I just had this image that like when it's you know like when they say when more more than two are gathered more than one is gathered what is that phrase when more than two are gathered in prayer that it's way more powerful. I always think that people gathered like that, um, whether for a concert or in a church or a temple or whatever, is probably one of the most powerful things. Yeah. Like it multiplies, right? Like the on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a. Um, isn't there an amendment or something in the Constitution? I think there is. That is. Um, I have to look it up, but. Uh, about the right to free expression and people gathering right, for the, the same. right to gather right right and I, that always struck me and this was one of those situations I think where the right to gather was needed yeah this here's another quote I love this as I sat in services today I thought about how ma- this is Doug this is an excerpt from the book excuse me this is an excerpt from the book and you're at your synagogue And you say, as I sat in services today, I thought about how many of us can't be so public. Makes me cry. You should read it. I was just going to suggest that. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Bridget. We've gotten used to reading the book. Oh, good. I I did actually just do the um, audio book. Which oh, is, you did! Is, oh, that's great. Yeah, and and I and I read it, and it's it's you know it's it's and you got it's funny it. as you <laughs> as there are certain passages where I found were difficult to 
read out loud. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't. Uh, but so I know what you mean. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know what you're going for. <laughs> <laughs> it's at the top of As I sat in services today, I thought about how many of us can't be so public about our pain and therefore don't receive the benefit of so much love and support even, it, even when it is needed just as badly. Perhaps we have an illness that has a stigma attached to it or a financial burden, addiction, trouble marriage. We all have something, but there isn't always the opportunity to be so loud about it. Thank you. Everybody's got their bus. You yeah. know, we've all been hit by something. Everybody's and, got their bus. That's um, right. And so, as Susan, as I said, it was so public, and so many people were involved and aware, but I became very aware of all the people who suffer in silence. Right. And don't have the benefit of that support and that love coming in and how powerful and healing it is not just for the surrounding family members but and Susan will tell you herself but for her whether conscious and lucid or not instinctively f- knowing and feeling that people were sending that kind of love and energy yeah and uh, she'll, you know, not to put words in her mouth because she's right here. She will say that that is what healed her, that that support. Yeah. No question about that. Uh, that that feeling loved and liked and then healing energy doesn't really help. No question. I have a friend who was just diagnosed with cancer and um, she's not telling people because she doesn't and I I hear this a lot from people that are diagnosed with cancer especially you don't want to be treated as the cancer patient and you don't want to run a marathon with a pink ribbon right right away (laughs) I hear that a lot yeah no and you were saying in I remember when you you got mad at him when when he said that sure because in, in his public post on Facebook my entire high school class heard the call to arms and which surprised me to be truthful. I I didn't remember, you know, I had my couple of pals from high school, but suddenly everybody was coming coming up and sending notes and I was I was touched but also shocked and I didn't want everybody to know I was embarrassed. Mm. Did I have a brain injury? Right, I the, did I right, remember that's that, why. that I love that moment where she got mad at you for saying that you had a brain injury and I you was were mad like, as Oh hell. my god, what else did I right, do? Right, because wrong? it was embarrassing. It's hard to be vulnerable and I didn't know where mm. I was at at the time. I mean I couldn't even lift up my arm. Yeah. So then to have all these people that I hadn't seen in how are, how are years was um <laughs> was nerve I you know it's hard to be open and embarrassed and yeah so yeah um so yeah it's it's a double edged sword it's like if you want you need to be vulnerable to al- to allow people to step in to support you you do and it's some of it is some of it's hard i i know that some people takes um it does take strength to share these things uh as the i don't want to say the victim but as the one going through the experience uh you have the fear that people are going to look at you differently and treat you differently but on the flip side the other thing that happens is oftentimes you find that you're suddenly you're put in the position of taking care of them and right. making them feel yes. better about your yes. illness or yes. your injury. Yes. And that takes a tremendous amount of energy. Yes. And so there is, I think, an inclination to just sort of like, I'll just go through this myself. Yep, yep, yep. And especially... And say the wrong thing, too. Yeah, yeah. Like and you kn- it's, it's hard, <laughs> you know. It's like you, you don't know what to say. And as a man, it gets even more complicated because we are generalizing here, but, you know educated to keep things to ourselves to muscle through to you know we can we don't need the help and all right. of that and um women are are much more vocal and sharing and uh allow others into their lives more intimately than men generally do um but uh i was going to say tell bridget the example of 
the man's expression versus the woman's? So for me, the epitome of the difference between men and women, Susan is in a book club. Mm-hmm. I play in a band. It's just a guy, it's just, you know, a bunch of guys right. that get together. Right. When she comes back from a night with her book club, I say, how was book club? And she says, oh, it's great. So-and-so had this, and so-and-so is doing this, and so-and-so is that, and their kids are this, blah, 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 blah. Right. And then when I come back from rehearsal, she says, how, how, how were the guys? I say, well, what do you mean? <gasps> oh, and my God. Says, how are so the guys? Nice. What's going on with them? <laughs> I don't know. Like, you were just with them for three hours. And I was like, I know. We get there. We plug in. We play for three hours. We unplug and we right. go home. Bye-bye. You and know? isn't that healing for your heart, too? And her, they're both healing for your Absolutely. hearts. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just a different thing. And, you know, there's a new movement in England apparently going on right now which is ask twice for men it's basically when you see someone hey how are you and they say good how are you the response is no how are you Mm. ask twice because we're so conditioned with that what i call the four letter f word fine oh yeah you know that um we don't respond you know then the truth is is most of the time when you say how are you to somebody you're not really expecting (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, actually, let me tell you. I lost my job. I'm at risk of losing my house. M- my wife is furious, and, and she's ready to leave me, and my kids aren't speaking to me. But, hey, how are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's so good. It's true, though. We don't, we don't, I don't know, do you think people may not want to hear it? And so they expect the sort of perfunctory, how are you, fine? Because it's a lot to yeah, take I think, on, maybe? Yeah. I mean, maybe we just need a new greeting. Like, we shouldn't be saying how. I mean, it's like, it's not really what we mean. <laughs> We're not. <laughs> how would you rate yourself right now? Right. I'm how about a seven. <laughs> Great. I'm a three. Okay, cool. I'll see you, uh, <laughs> see you in an hour. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. Let's start that That's trend. <laughs> but I also want to say, I think being vulnerable is maybe one of the hardest things to do in this life. And then when you're so hurt, either emotionally, physically, or both, then being vulnerable is enormous. It's an enormous, and even doing this book, it took me a while to, to say, okay, you can say all that, you can put it out there, but boy, it was a leap to take. And then furthermore, as we've gone on to, it's not that we're performing, but to talk about the book, we had to, both of us had to sort of come to okay we are enough Mm -hmm. we can tell our story and it's enough without a lot of bells and whistles so i think that's all been an interesting piece of the journey there are a lot of bells and whistles in there so (laughs) in the story yeah in the story and and in how you managed your healing and the vulnerability i love the vulnerability factor and i loved the you know the like the shit flying story um (laughs) which you have to that's I still just, can't believe that's in the book. Yeah, that's a teaser. That just means you must go get the book. <laughs> exactly. Everybody should read Struck. this book. I was just talking. I know Michael's going to remain silent, but I'm just going to speak for him now. <laughs> he can chat. He can chat. <laughs> this is Michael Siegel. This is, um, and we were just, we were talking earlier and he was saying, well, it's not really my story. And I'm like, it's your story. Because, you know. So the book, you guys, that are going to go out and buy it, in fact, you know, while you're listening, just go over to Amazon and click on it or go to your local bookstore and get it. Okay. So, um, but Michael was saying it's not my story. Doug wrote the book and it's Susan had the accident and Alice, um, Michael's sister, was also in the car. She was unharmed, but the accident happened to her. But to me, the accident happened to all of you and to all of your hearts. Like it, it struck you. As yeah. much as, right? I mean, it definitely affected me directly. It was, it's my family, but it wasn't the same as being so involved. My mom and my sister are in the car. They're in it, and my dad is running around doing everything, taking care of the family, taking care of my mom. And so for me, I, I don't know, I kind of distanced myself in a way of just to keep doing my own work, and I almost didn't want to burden my dad with another child Mm. of something to help with because it's a lot of work and like I don't know I think my sister and I understood that that there was just a lot going on and that we were just gonna continue doing our stuff and just try to be as brave and strong as we could 
Aww. even though it's tough when you're, you know, young. Yeah. How old were you? I was a freshman in high school and then Al was. And you were just a freshman because it happened in the fall. Like it just. Yeah, that's intense. Yeah, it's tough. I always thought that it was harder on you, but I mean, maybe I was wrong because you weren't as involved. Mm -hmm. And when I finally woke up to it, I thought, oh, my gosh, Michael kind of had to face this all not alone but just relatively unattended rev- relatively uh, not in the uh, not involved right. called out of class i mean that would have terrified me, me yeah at freshman year like that and how brave you really were but that it was sort of this funny disconnect for him which i guess in the end might have been a good thing i think that you know in my effort to normalize things at home um the kids instinctively tried to normalize their lives mm-hmm. as well. Keep going to school, do what they were doing. When Michael was asked, do you want to skip your final exams because I know it's been a hard semester? Mm-hmm. The response was no. Mm-hmm. And I think that that wasn't just a, a way uh, of, of dealing with it, but it was, well, let me say that again. I think to refuse that offer was his way of still normalizing mm-hmm. and saying things happen in life and we have to find a way to cope and deal and mm-hmm. and go on with them and not let them take over we have to integrate them into our lives it also sounds like that was your fight like you saw her fighting like if she can fight that hard i can fight at school i can fight to meet my goals yeah I, I mean i went to school with a lot of people who were very privileged which is which is good and it's very eye-opening too and you would see these kids get out of things for silly reasons and i would never i would never like that just because mm. well it wasn't it didn't seem right it didn't seem fair and so for me even though this was tough like i wanted to just keep going through and keep doing it i'm a normal student i'm still studying like time goes on things happen and then we move on and then hopefully set example and i had a great community of friends around me to help out too and yeah it's a tough first week month year but then everybody moves on and it's, it's well okay. speaking about vulnerability though like you don't think a freshman year is one of the vul- like the time you know that's like the time that you're veering away from vulnerability it's like the last thing i want to be is vulnerable right now but you had good friends surrounding you that you could be vulnerable with yeah i mean everybody wants to know what happened but I didn't have any answers. I, I, I kind of knew what happened, just accident point of view. Dump truck, lost brakes, hit a bus, hit my mom. That's kind of all I knew. Right. And then how's your mom doing? Well, it's I unclear. don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to tell them as much as I could because, I, I mean, my parents have and my sister, our family, we've always loved sharing our days and what's happened. And I've definitely taken that into my life and with my friends. But it's hard to do that with the people you love and your friends when you really don't know what's going on. Um, but just for all of their support and what they've done and everything they gave us that it is great. Like the, even when they don't know people will help. It's mm. good. I, one of the things I wanted to add was that I felt it and, and, and wrote about it in, in, in the book is, you know, the, the part when I was called, by the rabbi and a congregant or said we want to financially help you and I was so torn by that wonderful generous offer but at the same time and I think that this is sort of what Michael is speaking about as well is this feeling of like it just feels wrong in a way am I exploiting the situation you know yes I could get out of all my final exams what student doesn't want to get out of all of their final exams but morally it feels like that's an exploitation because it's not really needed in Mm -hmm. that moment and that's kind of the way I felt grappling with all of you yeah when you and let me give them a background that you were you got this offer right in the middle of you hadn't worked for several weeks you were you were in debt you didn't know what these your co-pays were going to be like you were in what could be considered a financial crisis but you're you uh, you were only dealing with her health crisis right and the first you know hospital bill comes in and it's a million and a half dollars you know and you're just like 
Okay. <laughs> but I... I, I'm laughing only because I just don't want the listener to think my laughter at that point, because that wasn't your bill. That was that wasn't your part of the bill. No, uh, no, it was yeah. it was. But I didn't know what I was going to be responsible oh, for or not okay. at that point. Yeah. It was just like it was one of those things, you know, and there were a lot of this at the scene of the accident when they're, you know, taking Alice or Susan away in an ambulance. You're not thinking well, hang on one second. Uh, I want to make sure that, that this ambulance is part of my, uh, they're in network. Or right. what hospital are you going to? Right. Are they in network? You're not thinking that. You're thinking all of that stuff will get figured out later. Mm -hmm. And this was one of those things that I thought it will get figured out later. It's it's not the important thing right now. But the difficulty, you know, when you're in need, and emotionally or financially or whatever it is, it's hard to ask for help. You know, yeah. it is super hard. And uh, there's guilt, there's pride, there's shame. There's all of these things that get wrapped up into the ask. And in this case, I just, I got swept up in that as well and thought, you know, I will figure this out. It's very generous, but you know, I write in the book, you know, the 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 old it's okay, I'll just sit here in the dark, you right. know, that but when there is light, why do we still choose to sit in the dark? Right. Why do we choose to continue to bring that that pain onto ourselves when there are others to help? I was hoping you were going to take the money. I was like, oh, that would be a relief to me reading the book. Like if that was taken care of, because <laughs> I was, I think. <laughs> I think it's, I think bringing it back around to vulnerability and love, I think that's a really vulnerable thing to do, to take, to be able to accept that, to accept help of any kind, to take the money. That would have been. The ultimate vulnerable act. Yeah, because yeah. you have to admit you need it, I guess, mm -hmm. maybe needing love or money or attention maybe that's more vulnerable but I will say from Michael's experience since he's here with us today what came out of that is this incredible group of friends for us too because not only did his friends rally around him but his friends from uh, we were just in that school new but those are some of our dear friends from today as well Aww. and the ones that came to the hospital and uh, it's kind of amazing that that's how the class connected. It connected my high school class, Michael's class, Alice's wow. class. Wow. It really is. It's pretty unique. Oh, maybe it's not unique that that would happen so across the boards. But I know there's some, you know, I think that, you know, when people say, um, you know, they have cancer and then they recover from cancer or like you, in, at the end, like you said at one point in the book, actually, like, you said, you're, you, Susan, you said, this has been, a, all, except for the bus hitting me, this was it's, a great year. It was right? a good Pretty year. Pretty good year, yeah. Right. Like, well, and that's also how you look at everything, um, for sure, in life. I mean, one thing I learned early, early on, and I don't know if I was doing this in the hospital, but it's your choice how you, you know, perceive a room. And I always say... Vanilla or chocolate choose. Do you want to come in happy and have a good time? Right. Or are you going to be a cranky bitch and stand in the corner and be mad about it? Yeah. And I've tried to live a lot of my life that way, uh, you know, making the positive uh, choice up front. Yeah. And that's another reason why I think I'm here today is because not only did I have the support to do that, but I was doing it. You were. So. Yeah. Well, and the, there's a great quote. Um it, th somebody said, if Susan Siegel can do it, I, so can I. Right. And that was somebody that hadn't even met you, right? That's somebody. That no, that was a daughter who had a, ter a a friend of mine who hadn't seen in a long time, who had a terribly autistic daughter. And they were that was something else that was very beautiful. They were all reading the uh, emails and updates together. And I guess you saw her at a funeral of another friend. And she came up to tell that story to Doug. Now, this is third and fourth parties on. But yeah, I, I, that's been interesting for me because so many people say, what an inspiration. And it's harder for me to see it. You see it more. It's, it actually is, it's why I wanted to write the book. 
It's mm-hmm. and really the only reason why I wanted to write the book because I knew the support that I got from the emails was fantastic and that got me through this time. But when I started to hear back from people how my emails were helping them yeah. with whatever they were going through, then it became bigger than just our story. And that was one example of where it became bigger. That if somebody was reading this and saying, if she can get through what she's getting through, I can get through what I'm getting through. Yeah. And and to share Susan's story in order to help others made this worthwhile or, or something of import for me. Yeah. It feels like also, I think I started to say this and I didn't finish it, that when people get cancer at the end, they say, oh, I, I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't change getting cancer and, you know, coming to the other side of cancer because of all the love that I received. And it's it's almost like we need more of these opportunities to love and be loved and like that everyone it's like moths to the flame right you were the flame you were the light and everybody wanted to give and receive love around this around you you the flame i think it's is it a buddhist belief maybe that we only grow through love and or pain oh beautiful yes as humans yeah yeah I'm not sure I would have taken getting smashed by a bus right. for all the love or pain, but it's certainly, I meant, I actually mean just the pain, but it certainly is the example of the love. I guess you don't get to see that, feel that in life unless you have intense pain. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's that's like, what you're both saying. Like crisis allows us to all step into our greatness. You stepped into your greatness. He stepped into his greatness. Michael stepped into his greatness. You know. There's another part of the book, Struck, a husband's memoir of trauma and triumph, available. (laughs) That was an excellent ad. And I'm sorry I didn't give the the subtitle. Thank you for doing that. But one of these other, and, and you're touching on it now, when you survive something and you get this, well, there must be a reason. Yes. You know, there must be a bigger reason, and you were saved for a purpose and all of this. And and I write about it, and Susan will talk about it too, is this pressure, you know, this unbelievable, like, okay, uh, I'm supposed to have a big life epiphany now. I'm supposed to live differently. I'm supposed to look at all of the regrets that I've had in the way. And when you don't have that, when you've been living a good life, and there's not a clear answer to that question of, the purpose of Mm -hmm. this event there was a x-ray technician who when was looking at susan's x-rays i love this story and and said boy is there anything that you didn't break and susan said no not really and he once again like many others said well, I guess uh, you were saved for some reason, or mm-hmm. there's a reason for you to be here. And and she kind of let out a sigh, and I said, yeah, you know, I've heard that before, but boy, really did I need to go through this to get there, and what is that reason? I don't know. And he said, has anyone been inspired by your story? And she said, yeah, I, I guess so. I think so. And he said, well, Maybe that's the reason. And that, in again, is is the reason to write the book right. and to share the story. Right. Because you, just with the emails, but even before the book, you touched thousands of people. How did I do that, Bridget? <laughs> <laughs> no, the emails going out, those, those oh. updates touched yes. thousands of people because yes. they went out to multiple people. Yes. I don't think there was probably anybody that wasn't forwarding those, you know. No, I, in in so. in in a sense they went viral and then and did bring a lot of attention for sure. And I am sure that good healing thought is how I'm here, the beautiful energy that came to me. I was surprised. I felt like Sally Field. You like me. <laughs> you, you really, really like me. me. Oh my gosh, there's good feelings coming. Um, it's funny. It's sad that we don't feel that naturally. 
and just take it on. I got to feel that when I, because I decided to do Love Forward Talks just seven weeks before I did it. And I put a call out to my, to like 15 friends. And I said, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you? And every single one said yes. And I felt like, oh my God, this is like, I didn't have to have an accident or you know, like well, I, love is the answer, right? right? I mean, love, it really I is. Love that quote. Yeah. Well, also because it's the way to approach. It's the same way of saying yes to things, or yes and uh, yes, yes and, and. <laughs> or vanilla or chocolate. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go into this being happy, or I'm going to go in this into this loving. It is the only way, but we don't do it all the time. Tell me about vulnerability and hold that thought. Doug just had a thought, but tell me about vulnerability. Did you do you feel like you increased your ability to be vulnerable through this? Uh, yes, but more goes for me, it goes back to I am enough and that I can be my who I am and that in my acting career, which was kind of happening, I would try to be more bigger, faster, louder, funnier. And then when this was and then that wasn't as good because I wasn't as vulnerable or who I needed to be. Mm. And when this was all coming into fruition, is that the right way to say that word? Fruition (laughs) or fruition. That lesson kept striking me, kept coming to I wanted to sing and dance and be funny again. And people, others, myself kept saying, no, this is you don't need to be. You don't need to be. You're entertaining enough. Yes. (laughs) Um, You're interesting enough. And that's been, for me, the lesson of this, the lesson in this journey. And that's a big one. I mean, it's taken me long to get here, but it is a big one. Can you imagine if we all felt that way? I mean, I don't even feel that way all the time. I really don't. Of course not. I, mean, I, I didn't expect I this to be that, but it really has become that. It's so beautiful. It, it is beautiful. I didn't. You I don't need know. to Did write you, that book. I, you need to write well, I Am Enough. I, yes, I know. But Doug is the writer. <laughs> Doug is the writer. I, a lot you can of write pe- it together. Right. Um, maybe. No, but maybe uh, the chick version of your, you know what I mean? Like, uh, well, that's one of the reasons why I was interested in your talks and in Ted talks. Well, and you're totally talking to that. at love. For Correct. Yeah. So, uh, but, but that is a, that is for me a big lesson and who knows where that will take us to. And I mean, just having Doug's really, it's Doug's words. That is what healed me that got me to this place. So, and I do think it's made our family more open. We always were, mm-hmm. but maybe more appreciative. Hmm. You look at events like the hurricanes or earthquakes or the fires in, of late. And in all of these situations, people show up for one another. Yes. They put aside their differences. They put aside the political argument. And what emerges is just sort of that pure humanity, that pure love for one another. And that was very affirming for me that that to to realize that people really are good. Unfortunately, in our communities or a a lot of our communities, it takes a crisis to pull that out. And it makes you think, boy, what about those communities that just live that way on a daily basis that don't need a crisis to inspire that kind of humanity towards one another. And if we could spread that yeah. and have that be the norm. The norm, yeah. Uh, are there those communities? Of course there are. You know, there there are there are so many where it's just the the question it's it's not about yourself so much. It's about the collective the, the community. Other, the yeah. other was what do you need? What mm. can I do? Mm-hmm. What what can do you have food you know mm-hmm. communities that bring food around or you know villages yeah, that share and 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 um i it's it's why you feel it in so readily in a in a religious community you know because whatever church or synagogue or whatever that religion is it brings the people together and the commonality in all of them is this golden rule, you know, is do unto others, be good to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is 
that's you know somebody told me because i was i was kind of awkward um around people people's loss or people getting sick or accidents like this and i remember asking someone to teach me how to talk to people and she said exactly what you just said what do you need what can i do for you you know and and also there's other things just listening just being there and listening without judgment but i love that that's a good movement to start you well, should start that it's movement it's <laughs> so easy today there's so many things that are so much easier than than even at the time of the accident gofundme wasn't really as as prevalent as as now yeah. you know where it's 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 easier and unfortunately it gets abused i think in some cases but to to be able to say i just went through this and i need help yeah. i need financial help yeah. and where you're not because it's still hard to ask a person yeah. but when you can post something and you have that kind of distance from it right. then it makes it a little bit easier to do that um I lost my train of thought on <laughs> on what I was Oh, I got it. Yay. <laughs> A thought has been <laughs> retrieved. A thought has been retrieved. Everyone rejoice. Yeah. Everyone rejoice. <laughs> and again again, just in our our digital age, our electronic communication age, we can just fire off a text or an email that just says, just thinking of you. Oh, just yeah. sending love, you yes. know, and it's it's not. Oh my, I don't really have time to get into a whole twenty yeah. minute conversation with a yeah. person and da 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 da. But you can still reach out. I did and, that last and, night. And, yes, and my friend is battling out. cancer, and I just said, I was at dinner actually, and I didn't have time to pick up the phone. Or anything. I just, right. I just want to say I love you. Right. But I don't do that enough. Like I and just it, happened to it last night. It does mean a lot to get yeah. those things. It just, you know, you, you are constantly reminded as I was going through this that you're not alone. You're just not going through this alone. So when you were and did you you felt that palp like palpably felt that every day? Like there was yeah. an army almost part of I mean I wanted to send out regular email updates about Susan's condition. Part of it was because people were just hanging on this, you know, serial mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. Well, it's but like Rocky. You want her to win. You want her to win the battle. You know, like, she's got to win this thing. Okay. But waking up the next morning and having a hundred messages in my box. Wow. Was that lifeblood for me to keep writing, to keep pushing through, to keep sharing. I just wasn't, I wasn't putting it out there in a vacuum. It was an engagement with the community. Yeah. It um, <clears throat> struck me when I was a little girl. My mom told me. Struck. That Can we stop for struck a second? That's the name of the book that you need to go. A husband's <laughs> memoir of trauma and triumph. When I was a little girl, maybe I don't know. I don't. I don't know how little, but but pretty little. My mom had a friend who had a baby that was born with tons of challenges and not well. And as I was growing up, my mom used to say, oh, I never said anything to her friend was Audrey. And I've always regretted that my whole life. And she's tried to reach out and she lost touch. And she said to me when I was little, never do that. You oh. must always reach out to someone. And at least she said, I didn't know what to say. I was right. 23. Right. And stupid or whatever. But that stuck with me even as a child because I saw her sadness and regret that she could never find her friend wow. or say anything. And so I've always tried to. I don't know if I've done it successfully. But because that stuck with me, I always tried to do it or at least reach out and say something. It sounds like you. that's uh, ingrained in you. It is, but you still don't always remember. I mean, even after a dinner party, it's nice to hear and thank you but I guess you shouldn't have to hear that but it's always nice yeah yeah thank you's gratitude that's a good one mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. um, so there's a couple things I want to talk about and you guys can tell me um, if you're open to talking about this so I want to talk a little bit about parenting because a lot of parents listen so I want to talk about helping them hold their hearts and then I want to talk about God and belief and skepticism and stuff like that 
little things like God and belief and God. Just, just the tiny touch stuff. on yeah touch on touch on those tiny subjects um, parenting you know another reason I wanted to write the book and and comments that I have gotten back because you know people have get a lot of different things from reading the book. It's sort of whatever their issue is and, yeah. and what their need is. Mm -hmm. um, I was surprised when, uh, and it actually I first, it first came, I think, from a rabbi who said, this is a great example of parenting. It is, yes. But I was surprised about that because wow. I didn't think about, you know, I didn't, oh, I, I didn't yeah. think about, Look, there are a couple things, uh, a few things I didn't think about. I didn't think about like, oh, I'm Mother Teresa and I'm being a nurse. And I'm, look at me, how wonderful I am. And right. what a great caregiver I am. And what a great parent I am. You know, it was, for me, it was just sort of, this happened and you step up and you do what you have to yeah. do. And. But there's so many, well, I have to interrupt you because one just popped into my head. I really love when, when you were thinking about, having Alice go to therapy. You wanted to offer her that option in case she was pushing anything down. And I love the analogy that you used with the, with your knee that you hurt when you were skiing when you were younger. Right. And how it's like that knee isn't still quite the same. So there's, there's an, there is something. And it's, I just loved how you were actively, proactively taking care of her heart and doing what you could to take care of both of their hearts. And that was a, that was a hard decision at that time because and I write about it and I thought about it with Michael as well is the injuries that you can't see yeah. and how do you treat those injuries and you don't want to create an injury where there isn't one but you want to acknowledge and and care for an injury that is there and so the stigmatization that you know I that is that the word? Stigmatization. 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 The stigmatization that Alice potentially felt from having to go through therapy by, I didn't want to tell her, well, you should need therapy. You should have a mm -hmm. psychological problem from going <laughs> right. through this. In the same respect that I don't want, Su I mean, Susan has no memory of it. And so that was a, that was fortunate she didn't she doesn't have to face and relive and and you know Michael I, I don't know as well what what injuries might be lurking that and as you talk about that knee of mine when I was a kid was fine or I thought it was fine mm -hmm. and then as you get older it's like wow why does my right knee hurt more mm -hmm. than my left because it's deeply embedded there mm -hmm. and those are the injuries that we don't know about and we have to I guess just sort of stop and 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 do a checkup on ourselves. Right. You know, it's like how's how how am I feeling about this? Am I still okay about this? Do I need to to deal and address with this? Well, Michael was talking. Michael, were you talking about the example that you gave earlier? Was that recently, or was that kind of soon after the accident when you were saying you would react? Kind of. So, like within the within a year, year and a half, you just kind of build up some emotions, and they come out in weird ways. Like, if you struck out in baseball, you just get overly emotional about that strikeout. And then your friends would be like, what's up? And then you would oh, just have to... Th oh, then I'd probably realize, damn, that was like a month's worth of emotion <laughs> built up just that came out at a weird spot right there. Right, but right. I feel like it fizzled out after a while. I don't know. It's very strange. And it's not rearing. It's like no, it's not no, tapping no. you on the heart going, yo, I'm still here. I'm hurt here. No, not really. The, the better my mom got the more that like it went away you right. know and so when she's back pretty much to normal now and, yeah. and we can still make fun of her and have fun then all those weird emotions they don't they don't they all don't is the well same. if we can make fun of mom <laughs> the world is right <laughs> that is true that is our normal <laughs> but you know that i think we're a pretty expressive family and uh we've always had dinner together 
I love that. Always. We've always tried to vacation or hang out together or go to movies together. Simple things. But we've always tried to do it together because it's more fun together. Right. And then, of course, making fun of me is more fun together. So (laughs) it all works out. Um, Okay. So now I want to pivot to God. (laughs) Pivot to God. That's the title of your new book, Pivot to God. So, and I, and I want to read this. Um, it's a brief, um, ec- just a couple lines from your book. God is all of us. We all have the power, the heart, the compassion, the resources to, pro- to provide one another with exactly what many turn to God for. Um, and I just wanted to read you this quote. So the teacher that I study with is Master John Douglas. And he gave me this quote or there was this quote and I asked him if I could use it in my book and it's a very short quote and I'm just mess it up even one single word it's only several words love alone will lead you on God's path isn't that beautiful that's Pastor John Douglas but I love how you Doug in the book wrestle with <laughs> you know like was this meant to be? Did this really have to happen? And you're like, did I really have to learn the lesson this way? And, you know, so you both have wrestled with this whole, and you weren't necessarily as active with the synagogue either prior, prior to this happening, right? We were active as a community. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I've always had this, I don't know, relationship with God and what my beliefs are. Uh, it's one of those things... As I write about, I, I, I want to believe in, but when you don't have someone whispering in your ear, this is God, you know, um, <laughs> how do you get there? You know, that faith, right? right. It's faith and, and, and prayer. Um, and I talk about this, that, you know, my, my views on prayer were never, that I, I, I sat down, I never sat down or, you know, held the kids' hands and said, let's pray for your mom. You know, I I would do things that I considered more wishes, you know. Right. Please I hope let the surgery be. I, yeah, I yeah. hope this goes okay. I hope that, you know, Michael and Alice are, are going to be okay and adjust. I hope that. I want, I wish, you know. And then, but when you think about prayer what are you really asking for you know you're asking for god to give you strength to give you love to give you the ability to continue to wrestle with whatever the demons are in your life and so your the quote that you read came out of my uh, feeling about the community mm-hmm. and, and my relationship with the community. It was like, okay, well, if that's what you pray for, that's what I got. I got all that, but I got it from us mere humans, you know, mm-hmm. which led me to that next sort of conclusion that we, if that's what we're looking for from God, we are that. And we can give that, and we can do that. You know that um, Sanskrit mantra, uh, soham, means, or it means, I am that. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, And also, like, speaking of God and faith and things like that, do you remember the memories of the angels, or is that time... You know, it's it's both. Um, I told these stories um, to a rabbi in the hospital without any prompting or knowing anything except for Doug saying, there's angels here. But then I repeated story. There's a lot of angels looking out for you at Cedars. But then I took that and was in Sinai with the burning bush and, and told explicitly... Um, that my father lifted the bus off me and my grandmother protected my face. There oh, is that in the book? I missed that. Is that detail is that in, the book? in there? I don't think that's yeah, in there. Some, some of it. it was, 
was out of the hospital. Give him the mic for a second. It was out. It was no, no, just that, just to say what you were just saying. So, I don't remember at what point it was, but somebody had reached out to me, or Susan. I think it reached out to Susan in email while she was still, and said, "I knew instinctively, intuitively, she was going to be okay," and she. This was a friend who has psychic abilities mm -hmm. and she said it was very clear to me I envisioned at the time of the accident an umbilical cord connecting Susan to this world so I knew she was not going to die on that day I knew she was going to be okay and then started asking questions you know I got the sense that um, people in, th in the afterlife were helping her that her father helped pull the bus off of her and said, do you have a, a brother that's passed? And my brother uh, died years ago. And I said, well, no, Susan's is still alive. But my, and she said, because I, I get the sense there's a brother there as well. Mm. And someone protecting her face. And that resonated with Susan whose grandmother always used to say, oh, my Susala with the beautiful face or whatever. And, and that that there were these angels. You know. Because I told all of this before hearing this to the rabbi in the hospital. Yes, and, and specifically... It, that's crazy. Specifically, you said the there are lots of angels watching over me. And you said that they were around and in the operating room. And this is my favorite thing. They would l just lean in and give me hugs. Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. That's crazyville. No. And then that experience, and then in the end of the book, not to be a spoiler alert, <laughs> but that the woman who helped and rescued. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's crazy. Okay, too. there's an amazing story that we're not going to tell you because it's too incredible and you have to read it for yourself. <laughs> it's true. But the person so who, uh, the angel that came to the scene and helped Alice. Um, when her mother obviously could not help her and before Doug got to the scene of the accident and helped give her a phone so she could call her dad. I mean, there's a lot of crazy things in the story like that. Even even our doctors. I mean, I was, as Doug's sister said, the most unlucky and luckiest person. I had a brand new trauma team that wanted to do well. Oh, wow. I didn't know I, that yeah, yeah. Like, that had just been hired by Cedars. I was close to the... I mean, there was a lot of little... Little miracles, yeah, snippets of sn miracle snippets, miracles that 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 took place. Miracleettes, miracleettes. <laughs> I like a thought has been retrieved. That it, you know, it's. I was naive to this blissfully while Susan was in the hospital because I thought, oh, she survived the accident, her bones are healing, and now it's just a matter of healing. But that is so not often the case where it's the complications after a trauma like this yeah. that that can be so devastating. And that's where we escaped miraculously. Yeah. Susan, I mean, Alice miraculously escaped the impact and Susan miraculously escaped the myriad of complications that could have uh, yeah. done her in. Multiple surgeries could have. Friends of ours and most doctors can't believe I made it out of the hospital uh, without more devastating consequences. I sometimes can't believe that now because you can see it just the way they get you out of a hospital today. I mean, you're out in less than 24 hours. Yeah. So that that itself is a miracle that I was in there for three months. Yeah. And came and, out. And you didn't you weren't riddled with infection because most people get infections. I had some. You had she some. Did. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And, you know, and that was the you know, they would talk about the inevitable pneumonias or, or risk of stroke and all of those things that that not only could happen, but are likely to happen. And our orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Daniel Allison, um, he I think that was the thing that most thrilled him is that it all came together in just the perfect way. Wow. Wow. When so it, it was like orchestrated. Yeah, when it when because he knows at any point it could just derail mm -hmm. that he you hope for 
again, this hope, prayer, wish, or whatever you hope for, but it often doesn't go that way. And in this case, it just all lined up. Miracles. Miracles. When I first went into the hospital, when I would come back for visits, they would literally applaud. They, I was a, I, they would call you were me a movie their star. Tra- yeah. yeah, they would call me their trauma miracle. Yeah. And I couldn't, a trauma victory, that's right. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Yeah. Just the whole, uh, I mean, who wants to really go to the doctor? I guess some people do, but I never really did. Mm-mm. But then just in those repeated visits, they, they were so fascinated. And after a while, it kind of amazed me. Oh, really? I'm a trauma victory? Oh, hello. <laughs> I'm a trauma victory. I love it. And I love that the the end result is I am enough. I really love that. I really want you to write that book. It's very huge. Because w- women especially, everybody needs it. But do, I mean, do I, men have that the same way women do? Do you ever feel that? Like you're not enough? N- not. I th- you know what? It, it's more for me. And again, I think this is probably a big difference between men and women. Where mm-hmm. Book club the, versus the band. <laughs> yeah, book club versus the band is women might come away saying, I am not enough, and men come away saying, I haven't done enough. Oh. <gasps> because it's we're m- so much more geared towards sort of accomplishment and goals and, right. you know, and career. And not to be sexist about it or generalize, mm-hmm. but, you know. That's that's more of of what I feel. It's like what so yours what doesn't more can I yours do? doesn't sound as bad as ours. I'm just saying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I think that women hurt themselves and look for men to help them be enough. Right. Instead, and that's, that's how good. people get into bad relationships and don't find the love because somebody else is what makes them feel or validates mm-hmm. their feelings. And that's how I feel that I see a lot of my friends and women go down that path that doesn't really fulfill them with mm-hmm. with finding love. I waited uh, probably longer than a lot of my girlfriends to find love because I personally wanted somebody I could talk to, really talk to. I wanted a man that was present, which I feel my kids are, which I'm proud of. Of all the things I'm proud of them for, I feel they're both pretty aware and present, even making fun of me. But, Mm -hmm. um, and I love, and um, an example of that, I love that example in the book where you said what you asked them for feedback and they gave you really honest feedback. Like the way you're being doesn't work for us. Yes. They you were need mad. To be, yeah. That was awesome. Michael. You were, yeah. You're always in the same mood. You're not in the heartbreaker. You're just not as much fun as you were. Yeah. And from a kid's perspective that, you know, that is what they're looking at. Uh, you know, they, unfortunately it was, it wasn't stuff like, well, you don't love us as much or you don't, you know, you're not. Right. It was, where's the fun? Mm-hmm. What happened to the fun? Because, mm-hmm. boy, that's a lot of what life is about, yeah. really, is just fun. Yeah, keeping it light. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you guys feel like I didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about that you'd like to leave? Struck. A Husband's <laughs> Memoir of Trauma and Triumph by Douglas Siegel. And out at the end of 2019 will be I Am Enough by <laughs> Susan Siegel. <laughs> Michael, do you have a book in you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Alice actually has a book in her. <gasps> because oftentimes people come up and, and uh, it would have been fun to have her sitting yes. with us today yeah. too. But, um, you know, they say... Um, Susan was hit by a bus and uh, how was it going through, you know, when your wife was hit by a bus? And so Alice's book is, I was hit by the bus too. <laughs> That's so great. Oh, wait, this was just one fo- other final story that I love, which is the one where he said he, that when you went to, um, was it to, when you went to go look at the car? Oh. Yeah. And the guy said, wasn't that where the guy said you were hit by a bus and? Yes. Right. Yeah, that was beautiful too. You want to tell that story? You don't have to. Would you? That was a really intense moment for me because, first of all, seeing the car, I hadn't seen any pictures or anything till that moment. 
I went looking for my hat, which I didn't find. Um, but and someone th- saw that hat at the ac- scene of the accident, right? But I just thought, I wonder if my hat's still there. But no. Um, but look, you're very good. You read it. You read it well. Uh, but this sweet fellow who'd been on the police force for years and now had this job, you know, taking the impounded cars out, said he'd never seen anything like that. And we both were sitting there actually looking at the car because it was just an accordion smashed craziness. And he he had said, I said, I can't believe I survived that. Uh, no, that's not how it went. He said something like, I can't believe the car is like this. I'll, I'll take over. We were there and Susan was walking around the car and turned to him as if he didn't know and said, I was hit by a bus. <laughs> I love that. And he said, and, and she was confused. It was like, uh, I was hit by a bus. Yeah, and, do I need to say more? Yeah. And when she finally didn't pick up on it, he said, you were hit by a bus and lived to tell about it. And thank God, because you wouldn't be sitting in this living room right now. And thank you for having us. Oh, thank you for being here. And I can't wait to have you at Love Forward Talks. And that'll be behind you. In my living room is the giant heart. I can't wait to be there. Yay. All right, everybody. Run. Don't walk to get. Struck. A husband's memoir of trauma and triumph. Yay! <laughs> that was Douglas Siegel and Susan Siegel and Michael Siegel. And you can find Doug at DouglasSiegel.com. Obviously, you now know the title of the amazing book, Struck. And um, thank you all for coming today. And if you like this podcast, pretty please, with sugar on top, will you go and <laughs> review it at, on iTunes? And subscribe to it, and then you'll get a quick email when a new episode comes out. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful 2019, superhero.